The Wonderful World of Dark Lords. Report 14. Sunnyside. I confess that at first I did not even recognize Sunnyside as a domain. I assumed that the village was one of the many tiny hamlets too inconsequential to appear on any but the most comprehensive maps. Only now do I realize that it is a domain like Halloween Town. Rather than being tethered to a single location, it floats from one realm to another, ensnaring its prey. But I am getting ahead of my account. As mentioned, I stopped in Sunnyside to resupply before the next domain on my itinerary. There is a single inn in the town, which also serves as a foundling home for the many children orphaned by the terrors of the night, and I found myself tripping over toys every time I tried to cross a room. The innkeeper apologized repeatedly, saying that she tried to keep the toys away from the common room, but that they almost seemed to move themselves when her back was turned. When I turned in for the night, I found that a child had left one of the toys on my bureau, a battered pink bear smelling faintly of strawberries. I made a mental note to return the bear to the innkeeper in the morning, that turned out to be impossible. I awoke to find myself in what seemed to be a windowless, rectangular room. My limbs felt oddly stiff and clumsy, and I was certain that I had been poisoned. Before I could make any move to escape my prison, however, the ceiling lifted on a hinge, allowing in a shaft of sunlight. To my horror, I saw a jointed wooden body in place of my own, clad in a fanciful witch costume. My prison was a toy chest and I now knew why there were so many toys in Sunnyside Inn. Welcome to Wonderful World of Dark Lords. I'm Tom. I'm Rachel. And we're discussing how to convert Disney movies to Ravenloft Domains of Dread, because nothing says gothic horror like pink teddy bears. Along the way, we'll look at the Dark Lord, the domain itself, and some plot hooks and adaptation ideas to integrate this setting into your own campaign. Today's episode, the Toy Story Trilogy. Yes! Believe it <laughs> or not... Toy Story. We are back! Hi, everybody! Hello, happy fall. <laughs> yes. We have we have survived our Indeed. travels. It was an accomplishment. Touch and go at times, but <laughs> much like the toys' journeys in the various movies, <laughs> where were many obstacles, troubles, pets, pizza planet trucks, all sorts of things. Much pizza eaten. But we arrived home just like... Buzz and Woody at the end of Toy Story 1. With our kids. With our kids, just like Buzz and Woody at the end of Toy Story 1. <laughs> yeah, so we really wanted to do Toy Story. Mm -hmm. This is a hard nut to crack. We've been working this for a while. When we were sitting down and planning out stuff, we talked about this, and this was kind of like Mount Everest. This yes. was like the hardest one in our initial sort of think-through of Disney movies as Ravenloft domains. Our hardest one that we wanted to do yes. and we hoped would be possible. Because, yes. like, Lady and the Tramp, I love Lady you and know, the Tramp, it's not happening. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, we, but this one we really, really wanted to figure out. We wanted to make it work because... As we said, this is, the, this is the Toy Story 1, this is the Toy Story trilogy, because Lotso in Toy Story 3 is a great Dark Lord. We even cited him in the Peter Pan episode. Yes, yes. That this is just, he is such a fantastic Dark Lord. He is a great Dark Lord. We were like, we will do whatever it takes. We will figure <laughs> out how to make this work so we could have Lotso as a Dark Lord. Mm -hmm. And I think we have a good solution. Tom had a stroke of genius. Yes, this yes. Is <laughs> you know, before with, when we were doing Prince John's Powers in the Robin Hood episode, I was like, I'm, this is me tuning my <laughs> This is me tuning Tom's world. This is all Tom. He figured this out. It's great. He's awesome. <laughs> but we will get into how we cracked it a little bit later. First, we're going to talk about what a fantastic Dark Lord Lotso right. is. We kind of set up a formula here. Lotso is an amazing Dark Lord 
So we wanted to make this work and think we figured out a way. So let's start with that first point. Lotso is an amazing Dark Lord. In a section we like to call... The Lord. The Lord. As I climbed from the toy chest with wooden limbs, the pink bear strolled toward me, surrounded by other toys. He introduced himself as Lotso and refused to answer any of my questions about what had happened to me. While he repeatedly assured me that he would do everything he could to restore me to my original form, his promises were vague, and I didn't need magic to know that he was lying. He also asked that I remain in the nursery for the youngest foundlings while he searched for a solution. I later learned from toys outside the walls of the inn that Lotso had once been an adventurer, but was trapped in his current form by a carionette. Forever parted from his family, he determined that all other adventurers who crossed his path would be parted from theirs as well. Supposedly, he used a needle like a carionette to accomplish this, but with a crucial difference. Rather than exchanging his consciousness with that of his victim, it transformed the victim's body into a child's plaything. As none of the other toys in Sunnyside had any memory of being human, I suspected that by the time he found a solution, I would no longer desire it. I would believe that I was, and had always been, a simple wooden doll. So, proposal, position, first point, <laughs> Lotso is an amazing Dark Lord. You know what amazing means. You know who Lotso is. Statistically, box office, most of America knows who Lotso is. <laughs> but Rachel, what is a Dark Lord? Let's see if I can still get through all the Yeah, points. right? It's been a bit since yeah. you used to be. You could, you could nail it. <laughs> that was several states ago. Yeah, right. I'll do my best. All right. Well... A Dark Lord is an evil being who commits some kind of act of ultimate darkness that makes the Dark Powers say, Why, hello, new friend! We want to play with you forever! And so they grab that person and drag them into a domain which is a special hell created just for them. There are some phenomenal Dark Lords. There are also some Uruk von Karkovs. <laughs> so we There's have... at least one. Yeah. <laughs> we have kind of our, our list of four qualities that we've come up with that kind of separate those great Dark Lords from those Uruk von Karkovs. We're going to run through them and describe how they apply to Strahd von Zarovich. And then we're going to discuss how we're going to make those four traits apply to Lotso. So the first quality is that act of ultimate darkness. In Strahd's case, it was that he killed his brother because he wanted to get with his brother's fiance. Our second quality is what in Vendor's Guide to Ravenloft they call it torment. Because we're a Disney podcast, we call it they got what they wanted, they lost what they had. And in Strahd's case, it's congratulations. There's nothing standing between you and Tatyana except gravity. <laughs> she jumped off the side of a building to get away from you. Good job. Our third quality... <laughs> Our third quality is an element of tragedy or relatability. They're not just evil for the sake of being evil. There's something in them that makes us wince in sympathy. And in Strahd's case, it's that unrequited love really stinks. And then our fourth quality is that the domain reflects the Dark Lord and their curse. Strahd is the Lord of Barovia. He's not the Lord of Blutzpur. That would make no sense. No, it wouldn't. And also part of his curse is that Barovia is incredibly boring and he's surrounded by all these boring peasants because that's a reflection of that curse of loneliness, both that he chose to be lonely by killing Sergei and also that not being with Tatyana is loneliness and that's kind of extended for him throughout the domain. So we said when we were sitting down, we were planning these domains, we were looking over a list of Disney movies and saying, ooh, that'll be a great domain, ooh, that'll be a great domain. We saw a Toy Story, and we were like, okay, that's impossible, because uh -huh. they're toys. Then we are like, oh, man, 
Lotso is so good. Oh. He is such a good domain lord. So in order to make this work, because other than their little toys stabbing your PCs in the foot, how we're going to do this... <laughs> They're like Owen Wilson and whoever from Night at the Museum. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> This is the sort of backstory I came up with Relazzo, and this is also going to be how we crack the problem of PCs interacting with toys. It's so good. It's okay. so good. So we are imagining that Lotso Bear was originally a paladin and a leader of a group of adventurers. And they left their homes, they went, and they battled various evil, did various adventuring things, and then at one point they were battling with the Ravenloft monsters known as Carrionettes, which are evil little puppet people. You see where Tom's breaking Yeah, right, here. you see where we're going with this? And they, they stab you and they switch bodies with you, so now you're a puppet person, and it's a fun puppet adventure. But in this case, they got put into puppets, in this case into toys, these were weird carrionettes, and he got put into this this paladin, this leader, got put into a pink stuffed bear. That smelled of strawberries. And smelled of strawberries. And then they escape, and they begin this epic quest back to their home village. But when Lotso arrives there, he sees what he believes is his family living happily with this carrionette in his body. <laughs> so he becomes convinced that he's been betrayed. He's been abandoned. His family never loved him, never loved anyone. And he, he lies to the other two adventure toys with him, with the clown and the big baby. And he lies that their families have also abandoned them, though he never checked, actually. And... He leads them into the mist, like that's our act of ultimate darkness. So that that lying to them about with their families, maybe their families are miserable, maybe their families are in heart, like really need their help. But he lies. He tells them their families are living happily with their replacements. If and, you wanted to, you know, juice it a little bit, you could even say that maybe he did go and check, mm -hmm. and he saw that their families did want them back and lied anyway. If you right. wanted to make them even a little bit more despicable. But that's our act of ultimate darkness. He leads them into the Rising Mist and comes out in our domain, which is this domain that we are going to have to call Shady Side in all the published material, but we don't have to do that here. Just like <laughs> in all the published material in the DMs Guild write-up, he is going to be called Laszlo Bear. But we don't have to do that here. So. We are flirting with copyright. Yeah, no. <laughs> we're real we're real Icarusing it yeah. in this one. And yet I, I'm going to I'm going to brag on Tom because yep. you know I, I can't. This was such a good way of translating Lotso's whole thing into like an adventurous sort of thing. Just the mm -hmm. whole like being the teddy bear who mm. was the favorite toy and was abandoned, and then he comes back and his fetch is in his place. Yeah, yeah. Chef's kiss, honey. Chef's kiss. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> and so they arrive at the town of Sunnyside, and they kind of have this big inn and foundling home that's full of toys. That's kind of our toy environment. It's also the inn, so the idea is he targets adventurers, that if an adventurers come and stay at the inn, he will try to get them with his silver needle and turn them, and in this case, it's it's a unique sort of Dark Lord version of the carrionette thing. They don't switch bodies. It actually turns them into toys. They're animate toys, but then over time, their memories fade and they forget they were never, never anything but toys. So the key thing, I even remember we were looking through the Raven, Van Richten's Guide to Ravenloft, something totally unrelated. It's actually the spell jammer, like the oh, Raven okay. Nebula, I think. And coming up, coming up with the ODR. Yeah, coming, trying to come up with, jammer. or even just building a, a plot hook, uh, a story around carrionettes, because I want to mm. do stuff with the monsters mm -hmm. of Spelljammer. 
or not with uh, Ravenloft, rather, for Spelljammer. And it suddenly, like, all clicked into place, and I was like, okay, carry that so the PCs get turned into toys, everyone is Buzz, and he actually is a spaceman. <laughs> no, no, he was a spaceman. He, he was a spaceman. He was a spaceman. He wasn't a toy. He was not a child's plaything. At the end, when he believes he is a toy, he is learning to love Big Brother. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, that is, that's the thing. That's the timeline. So you have your PCs. That's how we do it. That's how we do it. PCs are all Buzz Lightyear. <laughs> they get turned into toys. They get separated. They get, like, pulled away for various things we'll talk about later. And then they have to get back to Lotso to get stabbed again with his silver and his magic silver needle and turn back into PCs before a certain time, though. So, like, that is them engaging with a Toy Story-style adventure. We have the sort of quest... The journey, the sort of toy scale journey across a human scale world, the, the 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 time limit, the ticking clock. Every Toy Story movie has its ticking clock that they have to get back home before X happens. And yes, yeah, so we've gone very far off field from the act of all open darkness. Yes, but we we realize this is kind of we're getting into like normally we wait till red possibilities right, right, before right. we start talking about the adventure hooks, but. This is so key to yeah, Lotso's yeah. whole modus operandi is the thing that he's going to be doing, dear PCs, in order to drag them in. So we had to, we had to break the format a little bit here. And also, yeah, this is, I'm sure you saw that and said, wait, Toy Story, what? So I want to, like, up front say, no, this is the hook. This yes. is how you get your PCs into Toy Story. Getting them into Sleeping Beauty, getting them into Peter Pan, getting them into Treasure Planet... All very straightforward compared to getting them into Toy Story. <laughs> but darn it, we have a way to do that. Thank you, Carrionettes. Thank you for existing. So back to the script. <laughs> That's our act of ultimate darkness. That lying to Chuckles the Clown and Big Baby, whatever their real names were, has been lost into history. And sort of staying with them and convincing them to leave and join him. And then ruling the toys of Sunnyside as a horrible dictator. That's pretty bad. Yeah. But then we have the torment. He got what they wanted, he lost what they had. And the torment, and this is part of why we wanted to do lots. So these these that has the torment and the element of tragedy and relatability, and he has those so strongly he as does. a character. Because he has that torment of he feels betrayed and abandoned. So he sort of rejects the idea of love. He just kind of sees everything in terms of power relationships and having power and being on top and he rejects this idea of love. He rejects this idea of any meaningful relationship. But because of that, he is bitter and alone. Like, that mm -hmm. bitterness has never faded. That loneliness has never faded. He has never found another home because he refuses that possibility of love. And it could have been with other children. Or it even could have been at the end of Toy Story 3. It could have been Sunnyside. Like, mm -hmm. he could have it could had have a been a home. cool and groovy place. It could have been a cool and groovy place. Like, he could have had a group of toys... And they were like a family, and they loved each other and cared for each other, just like Woody and Buzz in the gang. But he never had that, because he rejected this idea of love. He he kind of coated his heart in this cynicism and this power-hungry ambition, but it means he has that loneliness and that misery. And part of what we're doing with the curse here, with the memory fading, well, why do the dark powers do that, other than make the plot work? <laughs> as so as the, so many reasons yes, for yes. the dark powers' actions to make the plot work. Because with most of these toys, if they can escape from Sunnyside, so like Andy's toys, they forget they're anything but toys, and that's tragic, 
but they do find a home and they find a family and they find love. So like he's trying to sort of punish adventurers by turning them into toys and ripping them away from their families. But unlike him, they are able to kind of find new families and accept what's happened to them and find love and find community and find a home. Mm-hmm. That's sort of what we're doing with the being angry at toys, being like, you're just trash, your right. kid hates you, where's your kid now, Sheriff, is the, uh, like, that he's angry at adventurers for leaving their families. Yeah, yeah. So that he's kind of taking it out on them of this, mm-hmm. you know, you could have stayed home and been with their family and had the thing that I lost, but you're leaving them, and really, you were going to die at some point eventually, that's kind of the, you know, the we're just trash sort of thing. Yeah, you were, yeah, yeah. You were going to get killed by something, if it wasn't me, it was going to be something else. So he's kind of just like getting his vengeance on them that way. But it's not really vengeance because they forget that the vengeance Yeah, right. They, reje- like... they forget they've been venged. Yeah. So this is also sort of why you get that in the movie, like, yeah, he wants to make sure that he doesn't, he gets the, the good play in the butterfly room, like the gentle play. He doesn't get beaten up by the little snot-nosed toddlers in the caterpillar <laughs> room. But it's not just about that. It's not just practical. That part of it, he just wants power mm-hmm. to have power so that no one can hurt him again. And also, I, I feel, maybe this is me projecting the story we wrote into <laughs> back into the movie, but I feel there's also an element of he's sort of lashing out. He kind of wants oh, to definitely. hurt toys. Mm-hmm. He wants to sort of prove that he's right and that toys are just trash and that no child ever loved a toy. And he kind of wants to punish them. Mm-hmm. And there's definitely like he's, even if it's not something that explicit, I think he's definitely like making this society worse out of his own bitterness. Is it he feels like trash because mm-hmm. he feels like Daisy treated him like trash. So he wants all other toys to feel like trash also. Yeah, exactly. And that's kind of what we're doing here. He claims... I'm doing this to adventurers for practical reasons because they're the one no one cares to disappear. I need toys to play with the small children. But really, he wants to punish adventurers. Mm-hmm. He wants to say, I'm going to, sh- you go off and leave your homes and families to go adventure. I'm going to show you what happens to you. Mm-hmm. So then we also have that other of those two parts of why we really want to do lots. So the element of tragedy and relatability. And I feel like we almost don't even need to say, like, yeah. he's such a tragic character. It's so sad. It's so sad. He has been legitimately wronged. Like, he legitimately, not even by Daisy, Mm -hmm. who he blamed, but, like, by just the world. The nature of being a toy. The nature of being a toy. what he is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And he really was meant to be this dark mirror to Woody. Like, Mm -hmm. I looked at some of the making of stuff, and, yeah, you have this whole, they got left, and he was the favorite toy, and they go on this crazy adventure to get back there. And, like, what if Woody was just, like, what if it had been Buzz? And so Woody's mama just bought a new Buzz toy. Mm-hmm. Like, that could have happened. Yeah. And that's heartbreaking to think about in the context of the Toy Story universe. But once again, we've done that for our kids. <laughs> like, we've lotsoed them. <laughs> and we joked about how we were lotsoing yeah. them at the time. <laughs> it was Elmo. It yeah. Was my, our, our daughter, when she was like three or four, she had a stuffed Elmo and she lost him. And I, quote unquote, found her stuffed yeah. Elmo. It's really easy to find a stuff. Yeah, right. <laughs> so if there is a daycare center out there with an Elmo doll ruling it with an iron fist and turning it into a brutal dystopia. Sorry. Sorry, other toys of that daycare center. That's on us. <laughs> That's Elmo's world. <laughs> yeah. And I know that actually there was a version 
like they, they did the story and then some of the screenings got back and there was a version for a while where Lotso actually does push the button and stop the conveyor belt. And that was kind of based on audience feedback because a lot of the audience wanted him to have a redemption. Because <laughs> yeah, so you kind of want him. him to have a redemption. Yeah. Like, like maybe he's learned his lesson. That he's might so tragic. be where Toy Story Four came from. Yeah, like, yeah. It's, it's one of the few good. Um, I'm not a fan of Toy Story Four, yeah, but there's no. there's a reason we're referring to it as a Toy Story trilogy, and that's all I'm going to say because otherwise this is going to be a four hour podcast. Yeah, yeah. Uh, apologies to Toy Story Four fans out it's not, there, but not m- not for me. Toy Story 3 was a perfect ending, so anything that came after mm-hmm. it was going to be bad, but I, it was cool to have the redemption story for the villain. Yes, that was really cool, and she was a great villain. Yes, she was, like, yes. my favorite part of the movie. Yes. If, if Lasso had not been our Dark Lord Gabby Gabby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We, we toyed with that for a while. Yeah. So we have our torment. We have our element of tragedy and relatability. And finally, the domain reflects the Dark Lord. Toys! <laughs> the toys! The PCs get turned into toys. This is a world of toys. And not just that, but that'd be enough, honestly. I could stop there. But that a lot of <laughs> that, this... That, that's good second edition. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. A lot of it is we, we're playing on those themes of love and abandonment and the idea of a relationship with a child, a relationship with a family. That's like sort of all the, to- the adventurers that come there and get turned into toys have that same thing that's sort of driving Lotso, that, that sense of abandonment, that sense of family... And they have that sort of race to get that back. And this this is all this is all for the toys. Like Raven loftiness of this domain is really focused on the <laughs> toy population. Mm-hmm. And this was actually a problem for a while. I was like, you know, the people are having a good life. Like this is <laughs> if you're ever in Ravenloft and it's our version, go to this place. Go to Sunnyside. You're not an adventurer, so lots of yeah. not gonna target you. You're just gonna be fine. Don't be an adventurer. Go. Don't stay at the inn. Mm-hmm. Go to Sunnyside mm-hmm. and just get a job and live a happy like D and D peasant life there. Because we were thinking about like, is there some kind of dark thing we could work in? But then it didn't feel like Toy yeah, Story yeah. anymore. It, it felt like Dime Store Odier, not Toy Story. Part of the thing with Toy Story is the normality of the world. Like even mm-hmm. it's very much supposed to be this generic, nameless, any town American suburb. This this very like just generic middle class world of this like middle class child. That's the context, the juxtaposition with the advent, the great adventures of the toys, mm-hmm. and that for toys, even just moving through this totally mundane world is this incredible odyssey of adventure and daring do. <laughs> and if it's like ah, and at night the puppets roam and eat people, it's like, no, that's stupid. That's not <laughs> that's Toy Story. Terrible. But Rachel figured out a way to make to make that weakness into a strength. Yes, a lot of this has been Tom, but this, mm, this, this is all you. Yeah. <laughs> so the thing with it being, it's perfect if you're a person. It's an amazing world to live in if you're just a regular person. Wouldn't it be a great world to live in if you were a person, Lotso? <laughs> Wouldn't you just love to be here with your family, just living your great life here, Lotso, in your human body with your human arms and legs that you could hug your family with, Lotso? Yep. So like that's part of it. But it's also the fact that because it is such a happy place, because it is such an idyllic world, not just for the humans, but for toys that are yeah. happy with being toys, if he could just let go. <laughs> and it, <laughs> the Dark Lord, like, mantra. Right, if he, he could, could just, just let, let go. go. 
and say, you know what? I'm a cuddly pink bear that smells like strawberries. That's who I am. I can't do anything to change that. I'm just going to embrace that. He could just be a happy teddy bear in this happy little village and have a kid who's like his new like surrogate kid who reminds him of his own actual child that he right. had as a human and just like live a life it's there it's right there calling for him and he turns his back on it every day so the normality then actually becomes part of the torment mm -hmm. that this is a world where any day he could like walk out the door like mm -hmm. any day he could be out of the torment and living a happy domestic life but he won't ever do that because he's a dark lord. Because he's a dark lord. And because at the same time as is offering him that possibility, it's reminding him of the idyllic life he lost yes. as a person. That's what makes it so delicious. Good job, Dark Powers. Good job. Now, this is one I, I came up with that initial idea, the everybody's buzz and he really is a spaceman and you have to like get to like, got turned, you get turned by Lotso and you have to get to the end before like the time comes up. So I did then have that just wonderful creative i'm seeing the whole adventure play out in my mm -hmm. head i'm like seeing exactly how i would not just do that as a premise but as a whole adventure so we'll get the commercial in now i am <laughs> also it's going to inform some other stuff yes i have written up a full toy story inspired adventure toy story trilogy inspired adventure set in this domain and it's going to be available on dm's guild and we are going to put a half price link in the show notes and huge thank yous to our wonderful patrons and listeners, Dusty Purple, Vera Vonzarovich, and Kosuke, who helped us playtest it. Yes, so, indeed. The very yes. good people to play it. Go join our Patreon, get on our Discord, <laughs> and maybe help me playtest future Disney-inspired adventures. Yeah. So that is going to include like a full write-up for Lotso, because he's the boss fight of the adventure. So that's going to have like a full stat block. So if you want a full stat block, unlike... Wizards of the Coast, I can give you a full <laughs> stat block for a domain. I can give you that one. But if you want just the base stat, like Wizards of the Coast, this is going to sound weird, but I actually use the knight. And at first I was like, oh, he's a bear, so I'm going to use like a polar bear. No, that that's not his thing. Mm -hmm. He's not a physical person. Like, yeah, he is fluffy and bear-shaped, but he's not a <laughs> physical combatant. I probably <laughs> would. Like a polar bear is bear-shaped. I probably would if I were to I take the knight. I would lower the AC because the knight has pretty high AC. But the whole point of the knight is he does have this sort of more leadership. Like he's more about being a leader of a group. So he has this leadership ability that lets him give bonuses to allies. And he has his parry ability, which once again, that's very lot. So mm -hmm. more defensive. Saving his own skin. Yeah, yeah. So... A very unorthodox choice, but that's what I did as base stats for the full write-up. And whatever stats you decide to use, I'd say remember to keep in mind that this is not like a physical combatant. Mm -hmm. This is someone that really is about cleverness, knowledge of the environment, so things like layer actions, mm -hmm. and especially minions. This is someone that really, like, you don't solo fight Lotso, he has a group of minions, and he's really all about coordinating and boosting them. Like, if you wanted to do him as a bard, yeah, then yeah, it yeah. actually would work really well, too. Mm -hmm. have, his, have his perform be, like, oration, and he, he casts vicious yelling, yeah, like nobody's yeah. business. He has his silver needle, of course. It's hidden in his little cane that he, he walks, stumps around with, and if he stabs you with it, then you're turned into a toy. And if you get stabbed with it again before you've lost your memory, then you're turned back into your normal non-toy self. 
And if you want to, then you can have it be that if you're stabbed with it even after you lose your memory, you're turned back into your non-toy self, because everyone wants to save butts. Yes, yes, <laughs> we'll, get, we'll get to that when we talk about the adventure. Indeed. And another thing that is unique to Lotso's carrionet Silver Needle version of the curse, which I'm very proud of, mm-hmm. is that it actually puts the people that are turned, including in this case the PCs, under a Gash spell... Pronouncing it right! ...to not be discovered. That they now have this, this sort of curse on them that if a person discovers their animate... They take like 5d10 psychic damage. Mm-hmm. So that actually builds in the why do the toys do this? Mm-hmm. Why are they so concerned with not being discovered? Why do they have like they just freeze and drop no matter what's going on? Even want to be a million times better to just be like, go, go. fly a kite, big owl. We're out of here. We're not going <laughs> to Tokyo. Like, why don't they do that? And the answer is to make the story work. Mm-hmm. But here we actually do have an answer, which is they'll take 5d10 psych. There's a yeah. good chance they'll be killed. Because there's... I don't know, listeners, here's, here's, your, here's our random, like, side alley to go down. I don't know how many of you f- are familiar with the, like, for a younger audience, but much darker Jim Henson movie, The Christmas Toy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And with that one, if they saw you move, you just died. Yeah, yeah. You got, you're frozen forever. You're frozen forever, which is... Similar right. to, but legally to save from death. <laughs> but that's clearly not the case because of what yeah. happens with Sid. Like, they can overcome it when they need to. But that's not always. So and I think this is a, a very good, simple explanation for that. And it gives your PCs, like, that sort of early warning. And it gives them an incentive. Because PCs being PCs, if you're like, you're mm-hmm. toys now, but toys pretend to be toys. You'd be like, no, we're not going to do that. Mm-hmm. We're just going to... Mm-hmm. Congratulations, world. You now know toys are animate as we just chucky around and stab people with our little knives. But no, they will maybe die. And that even explains that it works in terms of the Sid thing with... No, they just they took the damage. They just said, you mm-hmm. know, it's worth it to take the 5d10. And the GM rolled really low. Yeah. So they were all pretty okay. I believe Christmas Toys on Amazon Prime. It was last time we checked. If you want to go check it out, then it's... It's quite good. Yeah. Lotso, he obviously, this is not like a power, but it's really the, the real power in this world. Hmm. He has this absolute dictatorial control of the toys of the Sunnyside Inn and Fowling Home, that they all are terrified of him. They all obey him. You know, he has that sort of threat. He always has the, 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 the carrot and the stick. He has the carrot of, you do what I say, you pay your dues, you win my favor, you'll get to be in the butterfly room, everything will be great. He has the stick of, I'll put you in the caterpillar room and you'll get smashed into pieces <laughs> while a child uses you to play the drums. And so he's made it into a pyramid and put himself on top. <laughs> this is not our first MLM domain, yeah, it yeah, will yeah. be our last. So then what we have for that kind of that unique carrionette ability is that after three days or whatever other dramatically appropriate time passes, then the characters, the NPCs, presumably not your PCs, mm-hmm. are going to forget that they aren't toys at all. They are under a friendship spell mm-hmm. from Lotso. They they think that he's a good guy, they believe his lies. Mm-hmm. They, you know, oh yeah, the caterpillar room is terrible, but they're they're gonna they're gonna get out of it. 
any wisdom saves that they make against them are going to be with disadvantage. But then if they're able to get out, then they don't have that disadvantage anymore because we do see that, like, you know, Chuckles got out and he's okay. Right, yeah, exactly. So kind of there's there's this idea that if you get out of Sunnyside, if you get out of his sphere of influence, then you, you're eventually going to shake off the brainwashing and be all right. And, and of course, this is, you don't want to mind whammy the PCs, but we have the great excuse of they haven't forgotten that yes. they're real people yet. Mm-hmm. So he can't do the friendship spell on them yet. Yeah. But for all the ones that don't remember, they to really believe that it's fair yeah. and if they just pay their dues they're gonna make it to the butterfly room mm-hmm. someday and then for closing the borders we couldn't really come up with one that was really thematic it's just not chucky's a go-go yeah we, we, chucky's this coming out of every corner this isn't a maleficent situation yeah. or even an elsa situation where something really suggests itself so we just went with the standard you go out and then the mist thickens and then when the mist clears up, hey, surprise, look, you're standing at the foundling home mm-hmm. again. Like, there's, yeah, there's, yeah, not, yeah, a, no. there's not a whole lot else you can do. Yeah, yeah. On the, the pure toy level and the foundling home, we have the sort of security mm-hmm. of the foundling home that's kind of the unofficial closing the yeah, borders. Yeah. And it is more interesting. But in the whole domain, the whole sort of village, it's eh, the mist. Yeah, yeah. Mist. That way you can still keep your PCs trapped in the village even mm-hmm. when they get out of the Foundling Home itself if they go to, like, Andy's house or Bonnie's house or whatever. Yeah. It's like, yeah, we're out of here. Yeah. We'll figure this out. <laughs> we're, we'll we'll get out of here and find a high-level spell camp. Yeah, exactly. Sort of Greater restoration. Yeah. It's like, no, haha, you won't. You'll go back to the... You'll go on an epic road trip and you'll like it. <laughs> Maybe learn a few things about friendship along the way. So, as mentioned, uh, while the adventure, the full adventure write-up, is going to be for some money on DM's Guild, but half price for you if you click on the show notes. The write-up... <laughs> free for our patrons. And free for our patrons. Patreon. Click on the Patreon. Uh, the write-up for the domain is, is going to be free, as always. And in the write-up, we're going to have this description of Lotso, his story, his powers. You're not going to call him Lotso. His name is Lazlo. Lazlo Bear. Totally Don't be confused. But then, of course, we always have to have the quotes that in the Van Richten's Guide to Ravenloft, the write-ups of the Dark Lords, we have quotes from those Dark Lords for their role-playing trait, their ideal, their bond, their flaw. And our sort of personal quest is always to come up with quotes from those characters to be our role-playing trait, ideal, bond, and flaw. So we've each come up with our set of quotes. We've not seen them yet. Rachel's going to see mine on the monitor in a moment. But we can sort of share why we picked them, discuss them, and pick what we think is uh, a good choice. Sometimes we do a thing where one of us picks a whole bunch of quotes and throws them at the other one, but in this case, there's there's so few quotes where he's not kind of in character as, like, wise old caretaker man that we just went ahead and each did quotes. I feel like there's two scenes or three mm-hmm. scenes that we have to draw from, and it really is going to be the sort of we probably have the same like four or five quotes and it's just sort of figuring out like slider puzzling them of which is the best role-playing trait which is the best flaw if you've listened to our last unicorn episode or especially our snow white episode you know what we're talking about all right (laughs) so uh why don't you go first fire role-playing trait role-playing trait now we need toys in our caterpillar room and you need to avoid that truck why don't you come on back join our family again oh that's a good one i have a very similar thing which is why, for the good of our community, we ask the newer toys, the stronger ones, to take on the hardships the rest of us can't bear anymore. Mm, They're very good. similar. They're very similar, yeah. They're both pitching the getting the PCs to go along with him, mm-hmm. getting the PCs to kind of be part of the community, follow the community rules. Mm-hmm. Mine is the sort of bit more of the patter. 
Mm-hmm. This is the fake. This is the he's still trying to sweet talk Buzz. Yours mm-hmm. is the more the kind of come off. the mask come off the naked threat. The like you come and do this and obey me or you will die mm-hmm. or you will be destroyed. I think I'm gonna go with yours actually because I think <laughs> thinking about it, the PCs are probably going to be interacting with him more in that context. Yeah, because they're... he turned them into toys. He turned them into toys. They're gonna they're gonna see through his nonsense real quick. Give me one moment to type that. We need toys. Caterpillar trash truck. <laughs> Caterpillar trash truck. Yeah, blah, 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 blah. You know what I mean. <laughs> That's um, my favorite toy. Caterpillar Crash Truck. So, uh, yeah, I'll look up the full quote later. That is a good role-playing trait, because once again, that's the main way the the PCs are going to be interacting with him. He is going to be trying to sort of win them over, use his charm, use his persuasiveness. But it's going to be much more the masks off. Mm-hmm. So what have you got for your idea? We should have recorded this while we were in Alabama. My accent would have been on point. Yeah. <laughs> My, my family is Southern originally, so the second I get, like, <laughs> Y'all. South of Virginia, I just turn into a Southern belle. Um, okay, so for ideal, we own ourselves. We're masters of our own fate. We control our own destiny. That is my bond. Ah! Yes, that is my bond. What is your bond? My bond was no owners means no heartbreak. Ooh, yeah. That's good. That's good. I have for the idea, we're all just trash waiting to be thrown away. That's I all I had that. I had that originally, but I was like, I, I'm not sure if that's what he tells himself his idea was. Right, yeah. So I wasn't sure. I, I, have, I have that as one of my options for flaw. I had two possibilities for flaw. That yeah, yeah. So. Mm. What is, just out of curiosity, what is mm-hmm. your flaw? My flaw, I had that as one possibility. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other one was, mm-hmm. I didn't throw you away, your kid did. Ain't one kid ever loved a toy, really. Yeah, I have the, she replaced us. She never loved me. Mm. Um, oh, that's so good. Yeah, right? Oh. Like, okay, so the She replaced I, us. She, she replaced never loved us. me. She never loved oh, me. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Holy monkey pants. That's a good line. I didn't even notice that. Wow. So. She replaced us. us. She, she never, never loved, loved me. me. Wow. And, like, it's a little specific, this situation, but you'll get it if you're in the write-up. You know, you'll yeah, get it. That's yeah. what we're saying. Wow. So. Okay, I might, I might have to go ahead and jump on that with the flaw because nice. I, yes. I, my mind has been blown. I yes. never noticed that before. Wow. It's, it's like a longer, I like I dot, dot, dot at it. Oh, okay. But that, that's the, like, it's, you know, she, Daisy loved you. She replaced us. And then, like, some other thing. Like, no, then, then Woody says, she loved you. And he says, you. she never loved me. Wow. So, yeah, we're switching from everything to you. And we're, we're having a lot of fun with the English language. Mm-hmm. Switching between the singular and the plural. But, yeah, but he does say, she replaced us. Woody responds, she loved you, and she said, and he says, she never loved me. My The, the one thing that I'll pitch for, right, I yeah. didn't throw you away, your kid did, ain't one kid ever loved a toy. That's really, really good. That's yeah. really good. It's the victim blaming. Uh-huh. It's that not only is yeah. this, like, his a horrible, nihilistic worldview, uh-huh. this is also the way he gets in your head and messes with Let's you. do that as the ideal. Mm, yeah. Okay, yeah. Let's do that as All the right. ideal. Yes, no, that's that's exactly the point, the, the victim blaming. And that's even going to be an ideal in terms of, like... The ideal can't be with Sunnyside. It's wonderful. We're a mm-hmm. great community. We ask that. No, because the ideal is what's guiding him. It's what's in right. his heart. So it's got to be something cynical. Like you said, that has the wonderful, the wonderful victim blaming and the wonderful nothing that's happening is my fault. It's mm-hmm. it's your fault, and it's kind of the kid's fault for not loving you, yeah. and it's your fault for thinking a kid loved you. Mm-hmm. So Bond, I think, needs to be one of those masters of our own fate, control our own destiny. I think um, um the, the the no no owners means no heartbreak. Um, I think that we yeah I, th- I think your bond is good because we both had that. Okay, and, cool. And we can't have that for flaw. You know, that's, right, that's clearly yeah. not his flaw. So. Yeah. 
Uh, just so you know, uh, to your listener, our bond is we own ourselves. We're masters of our own fate. We control our own destiny. And once again, by we, he means I. Yeah. He means I. He means I. He means I. Uh, and, like they always do. Like they always, like they always do. Yeah. do. And that even is sort of, you know, the bond is sort of what's the external thing that's most important to the NPC or PC. And in this case, it's kind of his autonomy and his and his uh, solitude and his mm-hmm. his armor, his cynicism. The thing that kind of is most important to him is I don't have an owner. And no owners means no heartbreak. I don't have anyone. I don't even have any other toys mm-hmm. that I care about. I'm like totally autonomous. And even the idea that it's it's mastery, it's control. Right. Like the idea that those are the words that are coming up is telling. Even mm-hmm. even when he's doing his pitch. Yeah. Yeah. And then for flaw we had your because that's yeah that's, well thank uh, you so, yeah. man yes so it's it's the he's near the classic Kohler dot 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 mm-hmm. but I'm just cutting out like Woody's part of the conversation like it's such a small but significant he originally responds to Woody's use with us mm-hmm. and then the next she loved you she never loved me and yeah we're going from us to me and that's kind of what we're going for with that's a big part of what makes Lotso who he is it is mm-hmm. the the subtle ship from us to me yeah. So, we've talked about Lotso the bear, the copyright <laughs> infringing bear, who is similar to but legally distinct from Lazlo Bear. Yes, who Lazlo is an was... original creation of me. Lazlo was presumably his name when he was a human paladin adventurer. So. Mm, possibly, yes. But let's talk about the sort of bizarrely toy-centric environment <laughs> that the Dark Powers created for this very angry, resentful, bitter, horrible little pink bear in <laughs> a section we like to call... The Land. The Land. I am generally fond of children, but... The younger foundlings in Sunnyside seemed determined to change my mind. After being hurled across the room, sat upon, and used as a makeshift percussion instrument, I found myself wishing that my new body were as unfeeling as wood. Worse yet, some horrible spell gripped me when the children were in the room. If a single pair of eyes fell on me, I was unable to speak or move. Only when the children were all distracted by an unfortunate cat was I able to assume gaseous form and escape. I was relieved to find that my magic still worked. Although life was miserable for the toys in the nursery, a condition that I suspect Lotso and his compatriots did not share, being housed with the older foundlings, I was surprised to see how happy the humans were in Sunnyside, even those children who had lost their parents. There were no wreaths of garlic to ward off the undead, no constant testing of the food for poison, no jackbooted soldiers or whispered conversations about terrible future events. Remembering the apparent utopia of Encanto, I tried to uncover some hidden dark truth beneath their happiness, but there was none. Although the toys suffered, the people had lives that anyone outside Sunnyside would envy. Given what I knew of Lotso's past, I suspect that some within Sunnyside envied them as well. So much like in the Toy Story movies, the human stuff is like just background. It's it's an environment for <laughs> the human the world. Toys. It's a mess. It's a mess. <laughs> Boy, Spatcher really knew what he was talking about. <laughs> that it really is just a background for the toy encounters and like a source of obstacles and sort of to give your PCs the fun of, oh man, it's very hard 
to get out of a house and get like a couple miles down the road and get into another house when you're a toy. Mm-hmm. I did have a, one of the play tests I ran was just an extremely difficult challenge was for them to open a door. <laughs> and it wasn't like a magic door. It had a very easy lock to pick, but the rogue had to like, they had to sort of get a rope around the knob and pull the rogue up. And then the rogue had to use two short swords to pick the lock. Because the short swords are lock pick size. Yes. And then they had to like <laughs> have one of the other PC sort of wrap, the the high strength kind of wrap his body around the knob while the other sort of pushed his legs to the side. <laughs> You know what? That was an incredibly difficult puzzle, and it was a regular doorknob. The one that I was in with our uh, with our listeners and patrons was trying to jump out of a ground floor window without breaking on the yeah, ground. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Very long fall mm-hmm. from a ground floor window. The monk was fine. Yeah. <laughs> so Sunnyside Village is almost a just deliberately generic mm-hmm. fantasy Dungeons & Dragons village it's a village it's got all the village things and all the village people and it's really that the focus here (laughs) is on the toy scale uh in the adventure i suggest just doing a really simple like not worrying too much about the specifics doing just a rough one-sixth that like a toy is one-sixth size so everything's one-sixth for the sake of math Things like that. And it's like, oh boy. We, I remember it at our playtest. It was like, if I cast Fireball, it'll fill this whole space. No, we'll fill one map square. Mm-hmm. Like, a toy Fireball is one map square. There are a couple specific places, though. And, of course, our first, as we've mentioned, is Sunnyside Inn and Foundling Home. This is the kind of center of the domain. This is Lotso's, the heart of his kingdom. It is an old mansion that is turned into a foundling home. They also run an inn in the foundling home to cover the bills. Because what is the Dungeons and Dragons equivalent of a daycare center? Yeah. And that was kind of the best I could come up with. That you have play areas for the younger and the older children, because that's necessary. That's the big, as we said, the big stick that he mm-hmm. has to maintain social control is what play area you are assigned to. And if enough people do what Lotso says, out of fear of being assigned to the younger children of the Caterpillar room, then they can force the others to go along. And they can, like, physically grab the toys and put them in the Caterpillar room. And they'll cooperate, and they'll, some of them, many of them will voluntarily go to the Caterpillar room if they believe that eventually Lotso is going to bring them in the Butterfly room. He isn't. He isn't. He isn't. They're not keepers. They're not keepers. It is not, in fact, if you pay your dues and do put in the hard work, then you'll get your big promotion. It's... <laughs> Insert rant about capitalism here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you are going to be used as a plaything by a small child until you are broken into pieces and thrown in the trash. <laughs> it's just how Lotso likes it. This also gives us the great reason for the security. That he doesn't want toys to escape because he needs cannon fodder. So he also has these patrols. He has security. He has people like other toys checking around, making sure none get away. Because, of course, some of them do want to get away, especially the adventurers, when they are first turned into toys and haven't yet bought into his system. (laughs) And so, as we mentioned, he specifically targets adventurers. Any adventurers that stay there, he will try and go in and turn them into toys. Part of it is he claims he needs more cannon fodder. They always need new toys for the Caterpillar mm-hmm. room because they are getting broken and thrown in the trash. And adventures of the people, they're not going to be missed. But really, it's the revenge. Like, yeah, really, yeah. he just 
hates adventurers. The fiery passion of a thousand burning suns. So in the adventure, and you can probably guess ahead of parting thoughts, we're imagining is basically one adventure here, though I think it's a fair. You get turned into no! toys. Yeah. You can run a whole, whole campaign, campaign for years. Epic as plot toys. thread after plot thread of toy political intrigue. <laughs> but this is our kind of start point and end point. And this is our start point because it's where they get turned into toys, which is sort of the premise of the whole thing. And it's our end point because it's pretty easy for the PCs to figure out they need to get Lotso's cane to change back. Lotso's the one that can change them back. And so that then gives them an end point to go to, which once again, as we mentioned, is our classic Toy Story plot structure that you have a ticking clock and you have an epic quest. You have, they have to move across a suburban neighborhood and... In the life of a toy, that's a very challenging thing. So Sunnyside's our main location, and then the other locations that we have, we have Andy's house, of course, because you have to have Andy's Andy's house. house. Yeah. So just like in the movie, Andy's mother, you know, she knows the woman who runs Sunnyside, Uh and here we're going to say that she helps out there just to kind of simplify things. Mm And then we're, we're kind of conflating Andy and Bonnie mm-hmm. here. So Andy is filling the Bonnie role. And Annie sees toys that he likes. He brings those toys home. And they just can have a happy life there. And Andy's house is, number one, it's where Chuckles is. Because mm-hmm. once again, we're combining yeah, Andy yeah, with yeah. Bonnie. So when your PCs can get picked up by Andy, taken back to his house, and they can hear about Lotso's backstory from Chuckles. And then number two, it's also where they can meet Buzz. Mm -hmm. Because all the toys remember when Buzz showed up with all these crazy ideas about being a paladin. Said he was a paladin. Woo! Because, of course, Buzz is a paladin. Yeah, right. Like, that's just... Oh, (laughs) evildoer. He is the lawful goodest, lawful good yeah, ever right. lawful goodest. So the the PCs can look and be like, oh man, we, we are going to be just little little toy wooden knights like that guy if mm-hmm. we don't do something. <laughs> so, you know, Andy's house is a good place for exposition. And it's also like, it's a great place for set pieces of the PCs trying to escape, trying to navigate all of this human world stuff where they can't just kill everyone. Because yeah. that was, you know, again, in the game we played and also in the game that Tom ran that I mm-hmm. wasn't in, you're trying to get out of Andy's house if he takes you home. You're trying to get back to Sunnyside, but you don't want to kill Woody and right. Mr. Potato Right, Man. or Jesse or Slinky Dog <laughs> or like... And they're like basically friendly to you. They're like, oh, new uh-huh. toys, okay. Yeah, They're kind of weird. Yeah, they friends. got that buzz weirdo-ness, but mm-hmm. you know, whatever, it's fine. Yeah. And so that kind of gives the PCs the space to get, get get their sea legs to sort of figure out, okay, this is the world, this is our goal, this is what we have, the challenges we have to face, and you kind of a lower stakes opening dungeon of getting out of Andy's house. Like, you're, they're not going to get turned into horrible mutant toys or destroyed or anything like that. If they get found, they're just going to get put in a toy box. Mm-hmm. So it's a low stakes, like kind of figure out the world setting. Yeah, and it's also a good place for social challenges because, mm. again, since everyone is basically friendly to you, then you might be able to talk your way out. You might be able to convince Woody to help you. So we have the escape from Andy's house. The wonderful thing is something as simple as, like, a busy street or a rainstorm is a just epic obstacle for mm-hmm. a toy to overcome. We do have two more, like, complex side quests, two cul-de-sacs they could be pulled into in their quest to get back to Sunnyside and get restored to normal. And one of those is, of course, Sid's house. Mm-hmm. That Sid can find them, 
it's near Sunnyside, so that even gets the whole, it could actually be a shortcut. He finds them, and if they escape from his house, then they are right by Sunnyside. He finds them, he sees their new toys, he likes to mutilate and alter his toys, and he can find them and bring them back, and then his house can be a kind of more dangerous version of Andy's house. Mm -hmm. That, number one, it's got the much higher stakes of if Sid finds them not where they're supposed to be, he might just decide to switch their legs and arms <laughs> or something like that and also we have Sid's toys and this could be a good way to introduce sort of monsters mm -hmm. that this can be a description of the toys he's made it can be that they fight it can be that they negotiate it can be an interesting social challenge um, I originally when we were playtesting this was planning to just be like a combat encounter mm -hmm. like the toys trying to stop you from leaving but I forgot that like every single PC is going to feel like deep deep empathy for those toys and like yeah. want to negotiate with them so I included the whole yeah they're not hostile but they know that if Sid have found some new toys and then those toys disappear he's going to take it out on them yeah so that even gives very sympathetic, like, oh, I have to fight you, but I don't want to, because, mm -hmm. but I have to, because I don't want to get turned into a duck monster. But into maybe a fish we can work together like, to get back at Sid. Maybe make a couple of good persuasion rolls, mm -hmm. and we can have a revenge plan, and everybody feels good about themselves. <laughs> and then the final, the alternative, if you don't want to do the full Sid's house digression, is, of course, Big Al's Toy Shop. We told you, Toy Story Trilogy. We're hitting all three. <laughs> we got three, we got one, and now two. And this is the idea that actually we kind of together came up with what we want to do with Big Al. So why don't you, <laughs> why don't you take this? Because a lot of this was you. Well, the big thing with Big Al is that he is somehow like through detect magic or whatever, he's able to detect the enchanted toys. He might not know that they're magical. It might not even go that deep. He just knows there's something about them that's different and that he has some kind of patron who wants to collect mm -hmm. them. And so that could be a really fun way to tie in other stuff from your campaign. Mm -hmm. You know, kind of jumping ahead to the, you know, Adventure of the Great White Summer Drop Possibilities, how do you connect this to your, like, existing campaign stuff. But depending on who you want his mysterious patron to be, that could really, like, give you a lot of options there. This was, once again, how we cracked the idea of sending them to a museum or toy collector. It's not really a D&D &D thing, mm. but the idea of, oh, he can tell their magic, and he has this patron who, who's paying him to ship these magic toys gives us that same kind of threat of, you're going to be put in a box and mailed to Tokyo. Yeah, like Aslan or Haslick or Victra or mm -hmm. somebody has figured out what's going on in Sunnyside, and they will pay buku bucks to get these adventurers shipped over to them. So he has Stinky Pete, he's holding on to Stinky Pete till he gets a complete set, and whatever you want Stinky Pete to be, that's what he is, whatever's going to kind of mesh best with your adventurers. So, when we were brainstorming this, one of the things we had in our notes was a Stinky Pete as a Carmat <laughs> agent. It's a fun phrase to say. Yes. <laughs> because, like, Stinky Pete, he's keeping an eye out for Azalyn. He wants to bring, you know, certain adventurers of a certain caliber to Azalyn, and he's going to make sure that you get there whether you want to or not. So, you can have Stinky Pete either, you know, he's working for 
whatever the big bad is, and he wants to go home, you know, whoever they're being sent to, he wants to go back to his master to report. Maybe he's just figured out that once you get out of Sunnyside, you get turned back into a person, and he is going to have that happen no matter what, and if that means figuring out how to escape from Victor Mordenheim, at least mm-hmm. he'll be escaping from Victor Mordenheim as a human being, and not, not a as a prospector. A minor, an old-timey <laughs> prospector. So this gives you, like, a more stealth-focused dungeon to get out of, because, you know, Big Al, he doesn't have traps, he doesn't yeah, have, yeah. like, mutant toy monsters, but it'll give you a thing to do to have your PCs be trying to sneak out and get past all of his, like, security stuff. And this is nice because it also gives a a fail condition. Mm-hmm. Like, if the PCs don't get to Lotso, if they don't get the needle and turn back into human, then it could be, I have the adventure, the whole, oh, and then Big Al picks them up and mails them away and they get their memories back. Mm-hmm. So this is not like, no, you better roll well or your toys now. That's yeah. what your game is about. And that gives them, because the patron could be anyone, that even gives, like, a way to move to whatever the next domain. It could be, yeah, you turned out it was Victor Mordenheim, and now your little toy's in Lamortia, and you have to, like, do some stuff for Victra before she'll turn you back into people. Mm-hmm. And that's that's fun. That's fun, and it's also good for a fail condition, mm-hmm. because the PCs want to be able to get out as human beings on their own terms. Like, you escaped, but now you're subject to Victor Mordenheim's right, yeah. whims is a serious problem. <laughs> right. So. It's, it's did we get turned into human to say yes, but. It's mm-hmm. like, there were consequences for failing those roles. Yeah. There was not just like, no, at the end of the adventure, you get turned back into human, into regular people, the end. Because I don't want my Ravenloft campaign to be about little toys. <laughs> who, who believe their toys. Yes, who believe their toys. That I want my Ravenloft game to be back to being about PCs who are people and not toys and yet that's still there but now it's like a whole new set of problems the pcs have to deal with because they failed in their combat with with uh, lots of so well, this is not a question we super have to ask because we've been talking through this kind of as this particular <laughs> as a mod as a yeah. mod but we have this environment you can do what you want with but rachel what do you do with it other than buy my adventure in hamskill <laughs> Dread Possibilities Travel is always slow with gaseous form, and I was dismayed to find that my diminutive size made me even slower. I was scarcely able to escape through an open window before the spell wore off, leaving me lying helpless on the road beside the foundling home. I attempted to hide under the porch, but before I could, a large hand lifted me up from the ground, and I found myself smiling fixedly into the face of an unkempt man with a beard and a strident voice. At first I thought he intended to return me to the waiting arms of the foundlings, but instead he carried me to a toy shop, babbling about how he couldn't wait to find a buyer for me. He secured me in a wooden box, which was simple enough to unlock when he left. There, I met another unfortunate whom Lotso had transformed into a toy, a miner. The miner could not remember anything of his past, but had learned Lotso's story during his own time at Sunnyside, and shared his knowledge with me. Although his manner was friendly, I had the sense he was lying to me, and Eldritch Sight revealed that he had magic items on his person even though he denied it. I refused his offers for help, and slipped into a crate of ragdolls that the toymaker was sending to Blinsky's toy shop, using Mask of Many Faces to look like one of them. I hid in the crate for over a day, and tried to alleviate my boredom by thinking about my family. To my horror, I found that I could no longer remember my brother's name or face. Nor could I remember his wife, or my own parents. But his child... He did have a child, 
didn't he? A child who might play with me. Yes, I, I would like that. I would like that very much. I felt the crate lifting with me inside, carrying the toys and me into the mists. I may have temporarily forgotten my brother's face, but I will never forget the courier's expression when one of the ragdolls burst out of the crate, a full-grown human woman. It seems that leaving Sunnyside breaks the transmutation spell. A fortunate stroke for me. I want adventure in the Great Wide somewhere. I want it more than I can tell. So other than the mist, picking them up, dropping them down, turning them into toys, because that's what the GMs decided they <laughs> want to do this session, what are some reasons that PCs could find themselves in Sunnyside? What if the mist picked Sunnyside up Whoa. and dropped it into the domain? Oh! Because one possibility, if you just don't want to deal with anything, is that Sunnyside could be just a floating pocket domain, sort of like Cider 1313, yeah. that just sort of appears somewhere within a domain. So whatever domain they're in, they just wander into the lovely village of Sunnyside, yeah, yeah. which is a part of that domain. It's a crossroads village, and they're just traveling, and there's a village, and there's an inn. It's not on the map. A lot of really small towns aren't on the map. Most of what we've talked about has been we have this inn, this fouling home, that's the most important location, and then like a couple houses. Mm-hmm. Like two houses and a toy store. Mm-hmm. So this could even be like a neighborhood. Yeah. That like the, the domain isn't the full village, it's a neighborhood that appears in like Valakai or Martira Bay. So that's more or less what we did with the D write up mm-hmm. here is that you know she was making a stop to resupply. She didn't make a stop to resupply in the village of Sunnyside. Uh-huh. <laughs> like the domain that she's resupplying in Sunnyside just miraculously appeared there, and she's staying there for the night. What was the theater? Sayana? Sayana. Sayana. And that was, once again, this kind of theater, and the whole domain was this theater, so it could just kind of pop up from city to city, just from domain to domain to domain to domain. They're having an adventure in, like, Martira Bay or whatever, and there's a theater. Oh, let's go to the play. Let's go see the play. And this could <laughs> let's be do the in the Moth of Madness. <laughs> this could be the same thing. They just are somewhere in some domain and there's an inn and there's only one bed and it is a doll bed because <laughs> you are dolls. We washed in the mouth of madness uh-huh. and I said, oh, that's where Sienna gets its everything. Ah, okay. yes, <laughs> it, Old Sienna, not new Sienna. I'm not sure if new Sienna still gets his everything from In it. the mouth of madness coming soon. <laughs> it's a John Carpenter movie. It's a John Carpenter movie, ideas. yes. I got, I, got some, I got some ideas. <laughs> so if you want something more intentional, the main thing going on is toy stuff. So the thing that would bring your non-toy PCs is toy stuff. And that could be investigating disappearances. That there's some adventurers have been disappearing and either the PCs investigations or someone they work for investigations, you know, if they're in that whole sort of Alan McRae network, it's very easy for him to say, yes, I've traced a half dozen people have disappeared in the last three years from, like, this village. And you go there, and you talk, and they all sit at the same inn. The PCs are like, oh, okay. I get what we're doing here. <laughs> Spooky inn. And <laughs> they go to the inn, and then toy stuff happens. <laughs> I don't get what we're doing here. And it could even be, to have a specific hook, it could be Buzz, specifically. Because mm-hmm. we have this idea that Buzz is the one that was most recently a person turned into a toy and he escaped and he's in Andy's room, but they could be, that is the person they're specifically tracking now. So maybe if it's not like a pattern of disappearances, they're just hired or tasked with investigating this one specific dude who disappeared, 
who last like known location was this village of Sunnyside. And if you had NPCs that are connected with investigation, this was Rachel's brilliant idea, <laughs> they could be the buzz. Yes, so you could have it be that if they've been working with Alan Gray or the Weather May Fox Gross or anyone like that, they disappear. You have to go look for them. You go to Sunnyside, and then when you're in Andy's room, instead of Buzz Lightyear, who used to think he was a paladin, but now is just, you know, happily being a toy in Andy's room, you have these two dolls. (laughs) They were clearly made identically, you know, the same doll maker. And they used to think that they were these monster-hunting sisters, but now Uh they recognize that they're just dolls. They're just dolls dolls in different outfits. (laughs) Like a Barbie. Like a Barbie. So, yeah, you could have it be that they're the one you're rescuing, in which case you really want to put in the fact that you can yeah, use yeah, yeah. lots of needles yeah. to turn them back so they're not dolls forever. And that could be good because it could be the uh, a stronger emotional hook into the setting. Mm-hmm. And it could be the idea of there's an incentive already that the PCs don't want to forget that they're people, but this is like an even more pressing personal motivation for them to go after Lotso and try and get the needle. And it's more horrifying. Yes. Actually, also, if you want to lean into the horror, like, having it be Buzz is kind of funny. Mm-hmm. Like, when Tom ran it for the group that I was in, there was some pathos with Buzz, but also it's Buzz Lightyear. It's kind of funny. But having it be the Weathermay Fox Groves or Alan Gray mm-hmm. or somebody else that the PCs know and care about is really going to be creepy. And then finally, the one thing we've said about the village of... Sunnyside is this known for toys. It's known for having a real, a super abundance of toy makers and toy shops. Kind of a centerpiece of the local economy that people come for are the, the toys they produce there. And so there's obviously a pre-existing kind of hook for toys. And there's anything with Curse of Strahd and Blinsky. It's no fun. It's no, no Sunnyside. It's no Sunnyside. <laughs> and so you could have that once again be a thing that gets you there. If your PCs, like many PCs, have fallen in love with this weird little man. <laughs> in Valakai, <laughs> then he could, like, send them the sunny side to do something or, like, ask them to run some errands or make a toy delivery or pick up some supplies or pick up some toys he's going to sell in his shop or something. Mm-hmm. So that could get you there. The written adventure we're doing does include a Curse of Strahd variation where it's an adventure set in Valakai, and in that case, Blinsky's kind of playing the big out role. Available in Dimsco. <laughs> Like that he's the he's the kind of toy collector who can find them and try and put them together and he has this mysterious patron who's one of the Curse of Strahd NPCs. So once again, I feel like I really like this idea, but I'm running Curse of Strahd, but I want my PCs to be little toys climbing around and trying to open doors. You could still do that. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of the sort of pieces of this adventure are present in another form in Curse of Strahd. So once you are in Sunnyside, whether through the vagaries of the mist, whether you are investigating a missing person, you're about to meet some very disturbing Barbie dolls, <laughs> or you are getting some buying some toys for your toy maker buddy from Barovia, what are they going to do when the PCs get there? Like, what's the adventure here? We've pretty much yeah, already right. expressed that because more it's than... It's <laughs> Like, more than any other domain we've done, this is one adventure. Yeah. Like, even in Kanto. Yeah, yeah. Like, it had the variation on, like, how are you going to, you know, kind of, like, work your way into the confidence mm-hmm. of the family? Who in the family are you going to be approaching? And this and that. This, there's really only one story. And mm-hmm. it's that you're doing Toy Story 3, but getting turned back into humans at the end. Right, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, in order to do a Toy Story adventure... 
your PCs are need to get turned into toys mm-hmm. and then have a race uh, have to move across town with a time limit. That took some doing to like <laughs> set up and there's just so many ways for that to go and it's race across town with a time limit. Mm-hmm. And there's one kind of motivation they have above all others, which is not to be... To- like, whatever you ask them to do as toys, their main priority is going to be, let's not be toys anymore. Yeah, and if you have, like, some kind of cool Toy Story-esque adventure yes. that you want to do as the side plot rather than Sid or Big Al... Yeah, absolutely. You can do that. But still, it's going to be this side thing as they're going towards their main objective, which is not being toys anymore. Yeah, Because yeah. presumably you're not going to be running a game with your PCs as toys. Yeah, if you think of some cool Toy Story inspired like side adventures please let us know write subscribe leave a comment the <laughs> join our patrons can be on our discord you can post it there maybe they get taken to a child's bath and have to prove that they're not party poopers yeah indeed indeed if, if you have disney plus and you did not understand that reference go look up party saurus rex it's, so it's a good. toy story short it's it so is a good. delight <laughs> or they are in the inn and there's some sort of like guy that's stealing the toys to sell and it's like a horror movie mm-hmm. it's also really fun honestly all the toy story shorts are fun if you love these guys and you have Disney Plus, check them out. Maybe you're really into the Puppet Master movies and yeah. you want the PCs to be the puppet. Like you, you can you can do things, right? But your your adventure in the Great White Summer is going to be things along the way to turning back into humans. Yes. So this is a single adventure, but I think the fact that we made an adventure work <laughs> for Toy Story is. Is, is enough, you know? Mm-hmm. But let's say you want to have that single adventure and you've got kind of two possible groups you want to run it for. One, this is our aging down and aging up section. So you run maybe running it for kids or you're running it for players that love Toy Story and don't want it to be like super grim and dark <laughs> and just kind of want to have a fun time and be toys. Or with aging up, maybe you're running it for adults that are really interested in exploring a lot of the dark psychological horror potential. The people that, like, love the ending of Toy Story 3 and kind of wish they died. Yeah. We're like, you know, the world would be more profound if they died at the end of Toy Story 3. I disagree, but I see where you're coming from. Yeah, like, but, but we got a game for you. Yes. So first, aging down, and once again, unlike the Hunchback of Notre Dame, I could very easily see you're running D&D, doing a Ravenloft game for younger players. They all love Toy Story. They all grew up with Toy Story. Maybe dressed as Buzz Lightyear for Halloween. Mm -hmm. And you're like, I really want to do this because they're going to love it, but I don't want it to be brutal and miserableist. Most of the plot is fine as is. And, you know, even the stuff with Lotso, like, if they can handle Toy Story 3, they can handle it. Like, our story with him. Mm -hmm. I see kind of the big, the big button, the big slider for darkness here is the sort of tragedy of the transformed toys. And in the sort of neutral version, there's this edge of tragedy, especially with Buzz, but this idea that, you know, generally they're very happy and like they found new lives. They've been changed. They've lost their old lives. At least all the ones in Andy's room have found a new life and a community and a home and a life full of love and are happy. And even in one of our play tests, you know, they do change Buzz back, but it was like, yeah, the other toys are going to ask not to be changed back because this is the only life they can imagine. And that can be kind of a sweet thing. That can be kind of a happy thing, especially, you know, with kids. You're going to be like, yes, our toys love us. Mm-hmm. But for adults, you could really play into the horror there. That's more of an aging up thing. Mm-hmm. But so, like, not doing that, not playing up the horror there. And tragedy is, I think, a key component to making this for younger players. And part of it, too, you're going to want to follow your player's lead with this because if they are really set on no it doesn't matter how happy they are they deserve yeah, yeah, to be yes, people again yes. let them be people again that's a fantastic point in the original draft of the adventure i actually 
had it built. Nope, they're toys. The end. <laughs> but like my party, this this playtest group from the Discord, which you should join, was like, well, okay, okay, we got to help us. Mm-hmm. We we got the needle. We changed everybody back. That's step one. Step two. Let's sneak into this little boy's house and turn <laughs> one of his toys into an adult man. <laughs> And I wasn't prepared for that, but exactly that sort of if if they if your players really committed to saying no, we have to like we have to find every single toy and change them back because this is wrong and this is horrible. Then you absolutely thank you. Great point. Follow their lead. And then finally, you have Sid. Sid has great potential for body horror. Sid in Toy Story 1 is kind of baby's first body horror, mm-hmm. and it's just how much you want to do it, like how horrific you want the mutant toys to be with younger players just making them silly. And they do a really good job of this, I think, with Toy Story, mm-hmm. that the mutant toys are clearly, like, weird and off-putting and a little creepy, but also kind of, like, silly and likable and cute in a way. But what about if you are a miserablest grown-up who is like, no, that's, that's, I love the delicious tragedy of the toys. Well, if you're a miserablest grown-up who loves the delicious tragedy of the toys, we have bad news for you because it's still Toy Story. Yeah, so yeah. We're aging it up some, mm-hmm. but, like, even our aging up here, like, if you get too grim dark with this, it's just going to be silly. Yes, it's just going to be silly. <laughs> That if you do if you do full puppet master, yes. then it's the just villain gonna, is a pink teddy bear who smells like strawberries. It's just people. gonna be silly. <laughs> wow, when he has sharp teeth and he eats people's faces, he's so, pink from the blood he bathes in. <laughs> so sometimes for aging up, we have you know future Rachel comes in and gives you the skip ahead warning. I don't think there's gonna be anything here that's yeah. gonna be too disturbing for little ears for bigger little pictures, because we again it. If you get too disturbing with yeah, it, yeah. then it's just... No, <laughs> just, it's not Toy Story anymore. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But one of the main ways you can do with it does make it Toy Story is really playing into the tragedy of the toys. Mm-hmm. Um, like, getting into those forgotten memories. Like, getting into, uh, like, they start talking about how they're toys, and then they get kind of a look in their eye. And then they shake it off and keep talking about it, yeah, about yeah. being toys. Like, some part of them still remembers that they were people and playing up the tragedy of that. Mm-hmm. You know, once again, that's that's very in keeping with Toy Story. Right, yeah. Just the, the existential sadness. Yeah, horror is really uncharacteristic and jarring, but existential sadness, mm-hmm. very much a core conceit of the franchise. Yeah. And if you wanted to, like, really kind of flesh out and characterize what were the human versions of all these toys mm-hmm. and kind of how was that psychodrama playing out with them as being toys. So, like, maybe the PCs can kind of pick up from talking to Woody that Woody had a son. Right, reminds yeah. him of Andy, you know, something like that. And this is actually, with the obvious ones, Buzz, because once again, he's the one that has kind of the the most recent uh, loss of memories. He's the one that's going to be the most kind of having those flickering, lingering flashes, that sense he's not really a toy. And neither of us saw Lightyear and are mm-hmm. not super inclined to. But if your PCs, like, really want to dig into Buzz's human past, then it might not be bad. Take a bathroom break, pull up the plot summary of Lightyear on Wikipedia, and that would be, like, <laughs> immediate, like, engaging NPC. It doesn't match what we know about yes, Space no, Ridge. Uh, no. okay. is not his father. Zurg is not his father. Um <laughs> That's canon. It's canon. Pixar. Father. <laughs> but like you could, you could read that Wikipedia summary, and you could very easily D and it a little bit. So you could come up with like, oh, I have these friends, and I had this community I was a part of, and I like clash with the mayor, and blah blah blah. And then that's 
if you just need an immediate, like, can't backstory for human Buzz Lightyear, you're in luck, because there's a source you can modify with the most recent movie. And then, you know, as usual, we have take the advice we gave for the kids and then yeah, do the yeah. opposite. Really ramp up the body horror with yeah, Sid. Yeah. Just get as grotesque as you want to mm-hmm. get. Just every kind of body part being everywhere it's yeah, not supposed yeah. to be. Like, mixed with every kind of animal it's not supposed to be mixed with. Just have fun, y'all. The great thing is there's a lot of, like, monster stat blocks you could super mm-hmm. easily modify. Because they are weird, grotesque body people. I'm specifically in the adventure drawing from... Uh, in Van Richten's Guide to Ravenloft, there is the Mist Horrors, mm-hmm. and there's kind of like the random Eldritch body part table, so you can just like <laughs> use that table to add on some Eldritch body parts to some of the monsters. Or isn't there a monster in Van Richten's Guide that's just kind of a, a giant ball of zombies? There is, yes. Yes, the, you can do the, something, something with that. clot. Yeah, the zombie clot or something yeah, like that. Yeah, so just melted horribly together, and I, I, we said that to skip ahead. Yeah. So I'm not going to get into the graphic description here, but like a GI Joe in a microwave. <laughs> You get that. You get that. What we're mm-hmm, looking for here. Mm-hmm. Another thing that you could do, rather than playing up the body horror, or in addition to playing up the body mm-hmm. horror, is to play up the psychological horror of what the PCs are going through, mm-hmm. um, because you could have the loss of memories be gradual mm-hmm. and more immediate. Yeah. And so that is both more horrifying and adds more urgency. So periodically having the PCs make wisdom saves, and then if they fail, oh. You don't remember your mother's name. Mm. You can't remember what your sister's face looks like. That's that's some that's some stuff, man. Yeah. That's gonna that's gonna light a fire and mm-hmm. no more no more side questing around <laughs> trying to be puppet master dolls and kill people. It's like no, we're going right to that bear. Yeah, you've lost your sense of smell. Like mm-hmm. <laughs> so that that would be horrifying and urgency. And you might actually be able to do something with body horror too. With with uh, playing uh-huh. up some of that, really playing up the that you know. Weapons hit them and they can't feel it. Mm-hmm, and, yeah, you know, yeah. Just really playing up the creepiness of the not being able to feel pain anymore. And the your body doesn't feel right. It moves wrong. In the adventure, I'm doing a thing where basically instead of dying, they take a lingering injury from the Dungeon Master's Guide. But reflavoring the lingering injury is to be toy stuff. So in the Dungeon Master's Guide, there's things like, you know, dislocated shoulder or broken rib. And reflavoring it to be like, yeah, rip in your seam. Or uh, a crack in your torso. And once I feel like there's a real body horror potential mm-hmm. with like your arm doesn't work right because it's ripped. Yeah, you've got this like rip, and you can see the stuffing. Yeah, yeah, stuffing's coming out. Or like you're you're at this disadvantage for some stuff because you've got this big like crack in your wooden torso mm-hmm. that's like shifting and cracking a little more as you're moving it. Yeah, and that's just that's that's some good that's some that's good some, body horror. Right that's there. some good body horror. But not. Uh, too gory. Not too gory, because yeah, that's once once again. If you go too nuts with it, mm-hmm. then it's it's just going to be silly. They're toys, and they're Toy Story toys, not Puppet Master toys. <laughs> so yes, we hopefully have given you with uh, many discussions of the adventure I'm pitching. Uh, hopefully helpful, <laughs> not uh, too obnoxiously yes. intrusive. We're we're sorry if the adventure pitching is getting too right. intrusive, but this is one of those things where like Tom had the idea for the adventure, and that was what gave him the idea for the entire yes, domain. Yes. So we're kind of having to bring the adventure right. into this because it's really the only thing we could think of to do with the domain. So you will be able to just like kind of yeah, have all of absolutely. these elements you know, as needed with the usual session write-up. It's just that the adventure gives you the more detailed stat blocks and maps and things if you want. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. don't don't feel like this is a thing like like Sleepy Hollow where all of the good stuff is behind yeah, the table. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
we're proud of Sleepy Hollow, but it was all behind a paywall. Yes, yes. <laughs> so we've given you a specific adventure and possibly your own adventure. Mm-hmm. And we've talked about how to run them with younger players, with older players, with people that want a delightful Toy Story adventure, with people that want a delightful exploration of the existential horror of being a toy. And so let's wrap up our discussion of Sunnyside with our parting thoughts in a section we like to call... Parting Thoughts. So the first thing we like to do in Parting Thoughts is the genre of horror. We, we both mentioned multiple times in most episodes... Van Richten's Guide to Ravenloft includes a section on genres of horror. It is an amazing section just as a horror resource for Mm -hmm. any kind of horror creation, especially RPGs. And so this is one where we both think of genres of horror to apply. And I think there's one. We've we've showed our hands on both of them, I think. (laughs) Like, I don't know about you. A little bit. So I'm just writing in the script about consulting Rachel, body horror. Mm Mm-hmm. Yes, because fundamentally this is transformation. And if you really want to dig into horror, especially horror that's not going to be, like, goofily intrusive, then it's going to be actually playing up some of the horror of being turned into a toy. Mm-hmm. And having your body be made of wood or cloth or metal or things like that. And yeah. tiny. So what about your second one? What are you thinking? Uh, psychological Yes, horror, indeed. Yes, exactly. The other thing that we said multiple times. Yeah. <laughs> so sorry. This is not our most, like... Yeah, no. <laughs> Hope you were on the edge of your seat for the genres of horror. The this two is that we name-dropped in Aging Up. Multiple yeah. times, yeah. Because, <laughs> yeah, the other aspect of this, the one aspect is the bodily transformation, but the other aspect is the losing your memory, losing yourself, and that's the essence of psychological Yes, form. yes. That you now believe you are a toy and are going to happily live a life wanting nothing more than to be a child's plaything. Yeah. So creepy. Yes, it is. Which is why playtesters want to save bus. <laughs> and kill the heck out of lots. So. The second thing we'd like to talk So that, that was easy. That was quick. <laughs> <laughs> the next was also going to be quick. Yeah, right. Because we've been talking about it the whole time. And we talk about what kind of game is suitable for the setting. You have some domains like Darkon or Barovia where you can have just months and months and months and months and months dozens of sessions, millions of little side quests and plot hooks, and just an entire campaign, even. There's an entire campaign and you could run in Barovia, and it's called Curse of Straw, and it's not even bringing in all of the potential setting elements of Barovia. Mm-hmm. Then there are other domains, like, oh, for a completely random example, Odier. <laughs> where it's really one adventure. Like, they're made to go and have one adventure, and Odier is the evil Pinocchio domain. It's not run by Malocchio, though. That would be too easy. (laughs) And it's full of carrion. I think it's full of carrionettes, It is full of It's full of carrionettes, and the PCs go there, and it's creepy, and there's no adults around, and they investigate the toy maker, and they get turned into puppets, and they have to fight puppets, and then they're not puppets anymore. Why did you think of that one? Just came to me. And so that is really, like, you don't make a months-long campaign in Odier. You don't make, like, oh, what, here's your PCs with their complex backstories connected to the, the delicate political balance of Odier. <laughs> you, you do your puppet adventure. Yeah. And you go, wow, remember that time you got turned into puppets? And this one, I feel like, once again, yeah. we've come right out and said it previously. Wow, remember that time we turned into toys? Remember the time we turned into toys. So I think there, as Rachel said, basically... 
I tend to lean this way a lot. Like, Rachel tends to be more, well, but you know, but there's also this and this. Like, I tend to come down really hard on that there's one adventure to do here. Maybe it's I'm too arrogantly proud of my adventure ideas. But, I like, there's one here. I feel like you're more of the kind of guy who, like, comes up with the plot that you want to do. Yeah, yeah. You're really focused in on that. Yeah. Whereas I'm, you know, as the lifelong Ravenloft GM, right. I'm used to taking domains that maybe aren't as obviously right. huge, fruitful settings as Barovia and Darkon, such as my sweet poison baby Borka, mm-hmm. and turning that into a place where you have a ton of adventure hogs. Mm-hmm. So I, I feel like that's kind of the, right. the the difference in our approach there. But despite those differences, we both agree yes. there's one adventure to do. <laughs> But speaking of Odier, mm-hmm. Rachel, is there a way we could connect this Toy Story adventure into your noted and remarked upon love of the older material? <laughs> there is. Hooray. And the obvious way to do it is to link it to Odier in some way, but mm-hmm. the problem is they're so similar. Yeah, yeah. Like, you can't do Odier and Toy Story in the same way. No, no, you they're, can't. They're the same basic story, but in a different way. You could kind of do, like, all the flavor and everything of Odier, but with Lotso in the Maligno role. Mm. And there is the whole thing with Maligno where he has the, like, he just wants the children to love him, you know. He, it, so kind of, like, taking... Maligno taking his backstory, but reskinning him to have lots of his personality. Mm-hmm. Of the like, you know, instead of making this little wooden boy, Giuseppe, sure. who, who Geppetto, he's Geppetto. It's public domain. <laughs> you could have just called him Geppetto. It would have been too obvious. So the Geppetto analog made a pink stuffed bear, uh-huh. and then the pink stuffed bear started making all these other carrionites, but he made a pyramid of himself at the top. Right, yeah. So if you want to kind of do a more horrific Toy Story that's more Odier-influenced, you can basically just have a be Odier, but Maligno is lots of. Yeah, there, there, once again, much like how there's one adventure here, there is one yeah. giant, obvious, older material mm-hmm. thing to connect it to. And it's, hey, remember that time we got turned into puppets? Yeah. The other ways to connect, as mentioned, we've mentioned both of these already, actually, but one of them is who the Buzz analog is. Mm-hmm. If you don't want it to be Buzz, mm-hmm. then it could be any number of heroic characters from all over Ravenloft. You know, it could be the Weathery Fox Foves. It could be Elena Gray. You know, my fellow older material people. Anyone from Van Richten's arsenal. Like, any random person from Carnival who wandered off when, when mm-hmm. they were in the same domain as Sunnyside and Isolde wants you to go find them again. Like, there's any number of things for any of the heroic characters could be Buzz. And then the other thing that we mentioned with Stinky Pete being a car god agent, mm-hmm. which is something that I want to yeah, say right. as often as possible in this episode, is who Big Al's patron is. Mm-hmm. That you can connect it into your wider campaign by having Big Al's patron be your current big bad, be the person who's, you know, the dark lord of the next domain you're planning to send the PCs to, mm-hmm. or the villain of the next leg of your campaign, if not the big bad. You know, he could be sending the toys to Azalin, he could be sending them to Strahd, because, you know, I've got Blinsky there, so you know, sure, Strahd yeah. does have this weird doll thing. We could be sending them to Hazlick, to mm-hmm. Victor, like the magical guys are the obvious ones. He could be sending them to the Caller if you wanted. Like, yeah, there are all yeah. kinds of places you could be sending these toys that are letting you connect them to whatever villains you want to go with. And once again, this is also a good yes, but backdoor if they don't get the needle. They're not stuck mm-hmm. as toys forever, but 
there are still going to be consequences. Mm -hmm. And that even if you don't plan on running any Big Al stuff, if the timer runs out, Big Al can pick them up from Sunnyside and send them the patron from there. So if it's like they get mm -hmm. defeated by Lotso, they spend the whole time locked up in the Caterpillar room, <laughs> they forget they're not toys, then Big Al picks them up, ships them off to his patron, and as soon as they leave the domain, they remember they're not toys. And then, boom, next section, they can be PCs again. And they have to do a favor for Aslan, whoever, before he says he'll turn them into not toys anymore. <laughs> And the final thing we like to talk about in this section is our strengths and our challenges of deciding to incorporate flippin' Toy Story into your Ravenloft <laughs> game. So strengths, it's fun. Mm -hmm. It's cool. We love Toy Story. We love Buzz and Woody. We feel deep sorrow and contempt for Lotso. And fundamentally, like, the hook here is a fun hook of remember that time we got turned into toys. <laughs> it is a really solid one-shot adventure. You know, there already was a storied history of the Odier adventure in Ravenloft and the, hey, remember that time we were puppets. Mm -hmm. And I think all of your players will have a blast. Every group I've playtested with has had a blast with, holy bananas, we're toys now. <laughs> like, we're little toys and we have to climb over furniture and sneak around. And the fact that we're little toys in Toy Story is just the icing on the cake. Also, it is very modular. We said it's infinite possibilities of dropping it into other domains, on the road to other domains, even in other cities and other domains as a kind of like little pocket domain neighborhood. And that's great because you could easily put this fun Toy Story adventure in whatever your game, wherever your game is. And it's any domain where kids have toys. And once again, the vagueness is almost a thematic strength because that's sort of the idea of Toy Story. Mm -hmm. Is it's this like any town? any suburb USA setting. So it's this deliberately vague setting, so that fits with putting it in whatever setting you'd like to put it in. It's also a, a very horror-light setting, because otherwise it's not Toy Stories, we've said a couple of times, but that can also be a challenge. Yeah, because with horror-light settings, it's like those are good, for, once again, if you're running for kids, if you're running for people who don't like horror as much, but you you do want to bring in maybe a little bit, but they're, they're a little bit squeamish about horror. Or if you just had a real mm -hmm. mind frack of a session and yeah, you want yeah. to have something to kind of lighten the mood afterwards, mm -hmm. this is a good palate cleanser for your horrible, dark, psychological horror adventures. You said a lot of Blutsburg stuff. It's just, just a lot of Blutsburg stuff, yeah. <laughs> so we had, uh, we had a friend who had another friend that was interested in in trying D&D, and this first friend was saying, oh, I know you're playtesting this adventure, I have this friend that's interested in trying, but they're really not into horror at all. And we know that you, I know that you're an experienced GM, and, like, you'd be a really good first GM for them, but you're, you're, you're a horror not GM. not horror, and we're like, it's Toy Story. Yeah. And the first friend was like, oh, yeah, okay, cool. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's Toy Story. <laughs> They're going to be a toy. They're going to be a little toy climbing on chairs and trying to open doors. But the light horror can also be a challenge. Getting into challenges now. Mm -hmm. Because if you have a group that's really into the horror of Ravenloft, they're going to be like, what is this goofy yeah, right. nonsense? <laughs> like, <laughs> this is but intense psychological horror, and I don't know how to react to all this. Yes. Also, the fact that it's so modular could be a challenge because it is so self-contained. If you have a story that's very focused on whatever the central plot is, then this is going to be just a complete side quest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It has nothing to do with anything. Like, once again, 
maybe if you have Big Al be related to whoever your mm-hmm. big bad is for the main game, then it's not going to feel like such a side quest. But it it it's going to feel like a total side quest. <laughs> it's like there's, there's a lot of joking about games like Elder Scrolls where it's like the demons are going to open the apocalypse gate and only the chosen one can stop them. And you're like, cool, I want to win an election to be like mayor, <laughs> to be mayor because I get a special hat. Because if I win the election, me mayor, I get a special hat. And you're just kind of faffing around doing side quests. And like this would be like that. This yeah. would be like, the time of unparalleled darkness is at hand when Strahd will shatter the very world, but we're going to be toys for a little bit and faff around and be toys. <laughs> and maybe we'll get a special hat at the end. So yeah, as, as often happens, the strengths and challenges are kind of mirrors of each other, and it really is just, is this the right thing for your campaign? And if it is, these are going to be strengths, and if not, they're going to be challenges. But just something to be aware of. So before we rejoin our narrator and find out what presumably less silly place he's going to go <laughs> next. Oh, it's much less silly and much more sad. <laughs> Rachel, how can they contact us and tell us about the great Toy Story-inspired side quest ideas they have? Well, you can email us at wonderfulworldofdarklords at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook and Tumblr at Wonderful World of Dark Lords. Patreon rolled out a new feature so that you can Ooh. go and be a free patron and Ooh. DM us and everything like that, but you don't get the paid content, but you get like the, the emailed updates and you can you can ping us you should direct all messages do that. on Patreon. <laughs> So you can find us on Patreon. For some reason, we are Wonderful World of Dark Lords 651 on Patreon. I don't know why. I don't know what happened there. but There were 650 Wonderful <laughs> World of Dark Lords before us. Look but they're all bad. Look for Wonderful World of Dark Lords. You'll find us. Look, mm-hmm. for, look for the Maleficent hand in the apple. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Also, as a reminder, if you are one of our supporters on Red Circle who have been sending us money through Red Circle rather than Patreon. Thank you. Thank you so much. You clearly like Red Circle better than Patreon. We have set things up so that you can get our exclusive audio content through Red Circle. They don't allow us to put up non-audio content, but you you can get our exclusive audio content there if you subscribe there. So everybody else, unless you hate Patreon, Mm -hmm. stick with Patreon because we can give you non-audio stuff. Yeah, we can give you more free stuff. But if you hate Patreon, and a couple of you clearly do, then you can subscribe on Red Circle. Like, for example, a free copy of this Toy Story adventure. <laughs> now, if you like how we have done what I think is a pretty Herculean task of adapting Toy Story to a Ravenloft adventure, then uh, you might be aware, you might have heard somewhere that I do adventures on DM skill. <laughs> Like, for example, this Toy Story one. And I've got a couple of others. There's Sleepy Hollow's other big Disney-inspired one, but I've also got a bunch of horror movie-inspired adventures available, especially, as Rachel alluded to, movies of the John, of John Carpenter. And so if you just go to the free write-up or follow the link to the discounted adventure, then just look in the others by this author. Like, or even just search for Tom Kohler on DMs Guild. You can see what I got. And then I have a picture book, Mother Ghost, Nursery Rhymes for Little Monsters. It's exactly what it sounds like. Mm-hmm. 13 classic nursery rhymes rewritten to be about Halloween. Also, if you go to my website, www.rachelkohler.com, you can find some of my short stories for adults that are kind of in the dark fantasy, horror, comedy, you, you know our deal. That, that kind of subgenre. And a lot of them are available for free online. So you can go check that out for free. Until next time, thank you for listening and happy gaming. Parting thoughts. I find myself wondering how many people ended their lives in Sunnyside, believing themselves to be children's playthings. 
and I almost want to return so I can throw that bear into a fire. Truthfully, I would be tempted to do so were it not for the fear that I would transform again upon crossing the border. I am most shaken by the effect this journey had on my memories. Forgetting my family was horrifying, and I find myself wondering whether they will forget me as well over my long absence. Before I take up my marigold mist talisman and travel to the next domain, I will write my brother and niece a letter. Though I have to journey far, I pray they know I am with them the only way that I can be, and that until I'm in their home again, they remember me. Regards, D. Such wandering domains, or pocket domains, as the scholars refer to them, often pose a hindrance on those who rule lands and are awarded with such luxuries. Particularly so, when Nosos appears to offload their latest pile of refuse, or Jack Skellington decides he wants to play-act a far more capable leader. Sunnyside, on the other hand, with its cheerful population, draws in strays, which is quite suitable for Lotso's needs. The Pink Bear's uncanny ability to transform my scholar while she slept should not be overlooked. He may be gifted with potent abilities to remain unseen and unheard, which would allow him to perform such magics undetected may even render him capable of movement when mortal eyes are about. Such abilities would grant him a firmer hold over the playground, no doubt. Or perhaps my little servant is a particularly sound sleeper. Regardless, given the association of dolls and witchcraft, I expect you to be more observant in the future and wary of seemingly innocent additions to your quarters. In the unlikely event, my servant finds herself transformed once more. I can easily return her to her true mind and form. Of course, one must escape as my little scholar did to receive such assistance. Other, less capable individuals deserve their fate. This has been The Wonderful World of Dark Lords. We have no affiliation with Disney or Wizards of the Coast. All music recordings used in this episode are in the public domain and were obtained through museopen.org. Titles and links are in the show notes. Dialogue for Yensid was written by Azalyn Rex himself, who you can follow on Tumblr at DarkLordAzalyn. The Wonderful World of Dark Lords logo was designed by Haylight Jones. You can find links to their work in the show notes. If you'd like to support the show, look for us on Patreon.com or find our tip jar on Red Circle. Thanks for listening. Why do they have, like, they just freeze and drop no matter what's going on? Even want to be a million times better to just be like, get, get that. Yeah. What's a, what's a good PG swear? What's a good PG, PG go f*** yourself? <laughs> <laughs> we have our singer. Yeah. Go fly a kite. Go, Go. fly a kite, big owl. We're out of here. We're not going to Tokyo. <laughs> like.